Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Your cousin from Boston. New Sam Adams Wicked Easy is light and wicked easy to drink. Which means it's wicked easy to call up some buddies for a little day sesh. So, wicked sorry I'm late. Sam Adams Wicked Easy. Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here in the middle of draft season again, we go into one of the biggest positions of all, always an interest to Ravens fans, the wide receiver position. Joining me to discuss this is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Ken. Great to be here. Uh, always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend. And, and uh, we're going to go down a list 
of some names that the Ravens won't get at the top, certainly, because they'll be gone long before 27. And even in some cases, the Ravens don't have the draft capital to trade up no matter what to get them. Then a lot of guys who really could fall into their range in a pretty decent wide receiver class, I think we'd have to say. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's as deep as some people are making it out to seem, but it's definitely like a very diverse, versatile group of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in some cases, every position is a little thin this year because of the lack of college tape. And I'm kind of hoping this is somewhere where Eric DaCosta is going to shine and his small school scouting from last year and all that the Ravens do in that area is going to come forward and give the Ravens some hidden gems late in this draft where they really pick up some guys nobody, that are on nobody else's radar. Yeah, I definitely think this is like the year of any that the Ravens are really going to like, typically people are like, oh, the Ravens draft another fourth round receiver. Who cares? Hold on. Wait a minute. You know, in this COVID year, this could be a guy that, you know, in any other year would have snuck his way into, you know, late, late, th- late third round, early second round. Who knows? You know, so I think this is definitely the year where the Ravens can kind of shine because they've been real gurus as far as finding those uh, hidden gems. Yeah, and especially if that guy went to McNeese State or Alcorn State or one of these other real small Grand Valley, didn't play any games, obviously, in in 2020. uh, I really trust the Ravens' judgment on such picks, especially their relative judgment to the rest of the league uh, in terms of finding some of those guys. In terms of what the Ravens need out of this drafted wide receiver, it's obviously been something that is continually talked about on Twitter, uh, other places as well, in terms of the Ravens needing to have another big receiver uh, to take that X job away from Miles Boykin. Yeah, um, people are real obsessed with you know, the, the big-bodied X, the big-bodied X. Um, and John Harvard even said that he'd like another big-bodied pass catcher. He didn't specifically mention receiver by name. He said that could come via a pass-catching tight end, you know, another compliment to Mark Andrews to sub, you know, to properly replace Hayden Hurst. It doesn't always have to be, a, you know, the oh, the next Anquan Bolden or Des Bryant from five, six years ago. And so I really think what the Ravens really need is somebody who can separate and move the chains. You know, of the separate separations to, to me is the most, I mean, it's after catching the ball is the most important attribute a receiver can have. You know, if he can separate, especially because sometimes Lamar Jackson can be a bit of a sight thrower and doesn't have the best anticipation, you know, as a quarterback, you know, he's, he's working on, he's gotten better. But a lot of times you kind of like, he doesn't, he doesn't really trust all his targets. And if you can present him with a wide open target and have sure hands, you can separate, but throw you the ball. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, Lamar needs to do a lot of things still better as a quarterback, which is good because having the ability to grow means we haven't necessarily seen the best of Lamar Jackson, even though the league is going to continue to adapt to all the things that he's done well. Uh, but, but one thing that, that I think he needs to do is learn to outthrow a defense a little better, and it would help to have targets that he can truly trust to go after and get the football. And we've seen, you know, some problems from Boykin in that particular area. I'd also, among the things I want for the Ravens, is a guy who can threaten the area between level and level two and three and make a nice, hard, foot-in-the-brown break to get there uh, and create space, as you're talking about in terms of separation, that gives Lamar that extra trust. Be looking for the football, present himself as a good target, and create an option that threatens a new area on the field. Not just necessarily that play action area between the numbers, but but maybe right on that left or right number, uh, being able to come back for that football and have Lamar be able to trust it. Yeah, there are definitely a couple of guys at the, top, at the top of the draft. I wouldn't say at the top of the draft, but at the top of the receiver position in this draft that I like that can do exactly what you just said. 
All right. So let's get to this. And have we been doing this? And, and I know you've been listening probably to the show so far is, is we go one to 10 at each position. So you name your number one guy. If I had a different guy, I'll name him. And we'll go through and compare notes on, the, on their play styles and uh, other things we saw on tape. So I'll let you start. You're the guest. Who's your number one guy? And I know these th- first three go pretty quickly because the Ravens aren't going to get them. Oh, okay. So are we, are we, are we not, are we going to mention the, the top three guys? We'll, we'll mention them, talk briefly, but we don't need to have a 15 minute discussion about any of these first three guys or in total. Okay. Um, well, yeah, you know, Jamar, Jamar Chase is definitely the number one receiver in this draft by many metrics. I'm more of a Devonte Smith guy myself, but you know, some, you know, some people, depending on the, on your preference, really value what Jamar Chase brings to the table over mm-hmm. um, Devonte Smith. I mean, it, I, I like the fact that Chase is only 21 now. Uh, he certainly dominated the SEC in a way we've never seen at age 19 when he last played. That was really, obviously, very special. Uh, he was late in his age 19 still. Fantastic to do it that way. Uh threat in all ways that you would see and i think it's reasonable to expect that uh that he might be the number one overall i think i think you're right it could also be Devonte smith what do you like about him uh, about smith yeah oh yeah he has the, he has the complete complete skill set you know him and him and chase both bring similar things to the table as far as you know being the number one receiver type but i feel like with Devonte, you know he also brings that 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 next level speed like you know he doesn't <laughs> He's like he's the kind of guy that you can really use in all types of different ways, and he gets labeled as like you know just a, a he's not just a deep threat. I remember a couple of years ago when I thought he was gonna come out, I was like, oh man, this guy will be a perfect replacement for Will Fuller with the Texans because he's just like such a great deep threat. But then like like this past year with Alabama, he really expounded his game even more. I mean, really, he's been one of their most productive receivers for the past two seasons, even back when they had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and the rest of those guys. And you know the fact that he's been able to stand out from that crowded crop really speaks volumes to his ability and to project to the next level. Right. It's, it is. It, it's certainly this Alabama receiving core is just unbelievable. But Devonta Smith, 13.1 yards per target. Now, that's not yards per reception. That's yards per target in his college career with 43 TDs. That's just unbelievable production. By the way, folks, if you're looking at a single metric for receivers that I think is probably the most important, look at yards per target. Sometimes it gets muted very slightly by the screen game, but the elite yak guys who are in that position are generally being put there because they can make a lot of happen. If a guy's below nine in the college game, he probably is not going to tra- translate too well into the pro game. Uh, it's, it's really very rare. The guys who are at nine, 10, 11 in the college games are the, are the guys who will go in those first, first few rounds. And uh, we had a couple guys in this draft with just outrageous yards per target number. Devonta Smith, very exciting guy. I'm a little bit concerned about his frame at 170 pounds, but otherwise I don't see any, any real hole in his game. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this pre-show about, you know, about his frame and how some people are kind of like, you know, kind of poo-pooing on him a little bit just because like, they don't know how he's going to hold up. But this is a guy who outside of the national championship game where he lit up, an Ohio, an elite Ohio State defense for what almost mm-hmm. over 200 yards in the first half. Prior to that, the guys never had an injury in college. So to say he's not going to hold up in, in in NFL after playing what four years in the SEC, the best conference in all college football. I'm like, look, he was playing with NFL dudes from age what not 18 to 21. So and I beat the crap out of them. Exactly, exactly. And the whole thing about him not holding up, look, you got to get your hands on him first. So the whole, oh, well, how's he going to be? Look, the guy can beat press. He can beat man. He can blow past you even if you have a 10-yard cushion. 
you know he's a, he's a really good route runner too so like when you're like oh well he's always running wide open want to know why he's running wide open because he's a great route runner because he has elite speed you know he has all the things that you want a number one receiver yeah he doesn't weigh 210 or 220 but you know he still has that wide catch radius and those insure hands and ability to make guys miss and beat press man like that's what you want in a number one receiver in the nfl yeah all, all true and i think if you had two other mitigating factors with smith that i really like is that i i don't th- i don't think this is a good thing but I think it validates his production in a way. Number one is that he's only got 449 speed. That's not the top end, obviously, wide receiver speed. But he's still been able to burn the SEC corners very regularly with that. It will be a little more challenge at the pro level. The other thing, I mentioned the 13.1 yards per target. Last year, he caught a mess of screen passes. It was over 30. Now, since those end up in lower yards per target than other passes, that actually muted his number. He's better than a 13 yards per target game at Alabama, admittedly not in the NFL game, uh, doing that. At the NFL game, he'll, he'll be lucky to hit 10 yards per target. That would be a, a terrific rookie year if he were in that, uh, that range. To give you an idea, there's only been three Ravens who have ever had 10 yards per target. And it's Mark Andrews in his rookie year and two other wide receivers, Jermaine Lewis in 1998 and Derek Alexander in 1996. So it doesn't happen as nearly as often in the NFL, but he, he'd be a guy, if, if I had to bet on the rookie who would get there, it'd probably be him. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope he lands somewhere where he can really shine. Anyway, yeah, I think he's going to shine anywhere he goes, honestly. So who's your number three guy? Um, my number three guy, a lot of people, a lot of people want like, like you know, Jalen Waddle. And I like Jalen Waddle too, but I don't like him as much as my third guy, who I believe in, in Rashad Bateman who I think is, you know, he's, I, I feel like he could be potentially the next A.J. Brown, you know, the guy, the kind of guy that goes in either the late first, early second, that can really end up outshining most of the guys that go ahead of him. You know, he just has all the, he just has all, all the makings of, a, of not just a prototypical X receiver like the, like the Ravens fans really want, you know, big body outside guy, but the fact that this guy has inside, outside versatility in 2019, he dominated, you know, he has, he has a really big season on the outside. But then last year, he bumped into the slot, and he shined there as well, showing that inside-outside versatility. Yeah, I think I think I see a player there who really reads opponent leverage well. And and what you're seeing is when he moved into the slot, even though he's a little bit bigger at 60190, he still can make those guys miss. And it's not an accident when a slot receiver makes a whip route work. So if they go out then in or in then out, either way, when they whip their when they whip the slot corner, slot corners are paid to basically defend exactly that. The college level they're not actually paid yet, but they they will be someday, and that's what they're that's what they're there to do. I mean, they're supposed to be elite at reading that leverage. That's why that slot position is harder to play. But at at the NFL level, I think he'll be fine still at making the opponent make the first move as he stutters a little bit and then whipping that guy and creating that separation that Welker and Edelman and others have created in the slot that we've come accustomed to over the years. But I see Bateman as being a guy who can give you that in the slot and give you plenty of other things down the field as well. But I like that about Bateman a lot. Uh, has had a lot of drops in his college career. Does that concern you? Um, not, 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 not really as much. Like on the tape that I've seen, like, he still has really good hands. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure how many of the drops were concentration drops or or, or or balls that weren't really on target. But the the guy the guy is a beast. And what what I think he does exceptionally well is his release off the line of scrimmage. It's it's real quick. You know, he has, he has great feet. 
And that, that kind of stuff really comes in handy at the next level, especially when you're going against press, press man corners. And the crazy thing about people like, oh, no, we don't want no slot guys and whatever. No more receivers don't, aren't slot guys. But the thing that really confounds me about, about not just Ravens fans, but NFL fans, period, is when they, when they fail to realize that number one receivers can also be slot guys. I mean, how many times have you seen DeAndre Hopkins and, and, Devont- and Devontae Adams line up in a slot or run in breaking routes that ended up going across the middle of the field anyways? So this, or motion to the slot. Exactly, or motion to the slot. Start outside, motion to the slot, and then it's, it's like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Apples and oranges. The guy, if the guy can catch, yeah. the guy can separate. If he can make guys miss in short area quickness, then who, who cares how tall he is or where he starts at the, where he starts at the beginning of the alignment? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think that's something to look at about him that, that would be very positive. Um, he did not have a great yards per target in his career at Minnesota, 9.7 yards per target. And actually, I've, I've got that noted down. I forget if that's just 2020 or for his whole college career. That's right at the Mendoza line. Not the Mendoza line, probably a little bit above it. Uh, it's like hitting about 240 for a first-round pot prospect. It's not exactly what I would expect from him. He did play at Minnesota. A lot of the offense ran right through him, of course, and so he had to do more individually, uh, and, and they did a lot. I want, to, I want to speak to one other thing that you said, though, about number one receivers lining up in the slot. If you look at what the Chiefs did with Sammy Watkins, definitely not their number one receiver, but a guy they schemed open all the time last year. If you line up a guy who is not all the way wide, he's short wide, so it's not sure if he'll be the outside receiver on that side when you have motion— the defensive tactic that the outside corner usually takes is to immediately cover the outside receiver as soon as he clears the slot, the, the guy who used to be the outside receiver. And that usually creates a scheme opportunity for that, um, that, that newly created slot receiver, which was Sammy Watkins last year in Kansas City, to, to be schemed open immediately. And they did that relentlessly to opposing teams last year at Kansas City. It was, shows up on, on Watkins tape like, very little else is his ability to get these constant seven and eight yard receptions. Bateman will be good at that, and and he'll he'll bring some of that value after the catch that we saw at the college level. Yeah, and that's actually why I was really excited about the Sammy Watkins signing more so than even some people were, just because I'm like, look, that's the kind of guy that when it's third and six, you know, third and seven, he'll go get you seven, eight yards. You know, he knows right where the first down is, and they scheme him open to where he was like, all right, Sammy's going to be your guy. And Sammy, he even said that in his introductory press conference. He was like, you know, like, hey, you know, we had Tyreek Hill, we had Travis Kelsey, but when they needed, when they needed to play, when they needed to change the move, they called Sammy. So that's why I was real excited about the Sammy Watkins um, signing, and hopefully he can impart some of that on um, on younger receivers too, and whoever the Ravens end up bringing in via the draft. Give me a percentage chance you think Bateman in particular drops to twenty-seven. Um. Um. Early on in the process, I was like, "There's a good chance," but um, now as as it as it nears, and I, I like you know, I know he ran that four three four at his unofficial four three four at his pro day, and people love forty yard dash times. I mean, speed was never really the, the name of his game in college. You know, he's more of a you know like the technician and route runner. Um, but um, I think I think there's a, I'd say about I'm sixty percent, fifty five percent chance that he makes it to twenty seven. And um, even even then, there's no telling if the Ravens will take still take him there if he makes it. I'd hope he's my favorite guy in the draft outside of the top, you know, my top two guys. Um, my favorite realistic office for the Ravens in the draft is Rashad Bateman. So if he makes it down that far, then, you know, that'd be great. But, if you know, if not, it is what it is. All right. 
All right. Well, he was my number four guy. Who's your? I guess I'm due to say who my number three guy is, and that's Terrence Marshall of LSU. I like him, uh, which means I've got him ahead of Jalen Waddle, and I know that's that's not going to make a lot of people happy, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I saw that Mel Kiper has mocked a couple times in a row. Three times, Marshall. Terrence Marshall to the Ravens, so we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, he's a huge guy at 6'3", 205, 438. He meets that you know standard of what Boykin is. He'd be a big asset in the run game uh, in terms of what he can do. That 10.5 yards per target over the last two years, that's certainly very good. It's not quite at the Alabama level of ridiculous <laughs> that yeah. you see, but it's but it's very good. Um, I really like in looking at the heat diagrams that he's clearly got no fear of the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, and, and then last, speaking to last year, like I remember um, in the, their national championship season, he mostly lined up out on the outside. But once after Jamar Chase, you know, opted out and Justin Jefferson moved up to the NFL, he moved into the slot and became took over that um, Justin Jefferson role and really shined there. So he worked over the middle, middle of the field a lot in 2020. And he was averaging with over 100 yards, over 100 yards per game. And, and, and before he ended up opting out, at, um, you know, after seven games, and he was tearing it up from the slot. So a guy, who, like I said, inside, outside versatility, that's, if that's really what you want a number one receiver, a guy who can do that and make plays on the perimeter as well as over the middle of the field where Jackson is the most proficient. Right. And that'll be that'll be a, a good guy to get that linkage with Jackson, make sure he can continue to work on the extended plays. But especially I, I think it's important for that X receiver to get more involved in those because the play generally moves from left to right on those extensions. Meaning so Jackson Jackson is more typically than not rolling right instead of rolling left. When he rolls right, he he generally is not your prototype in terms of looking to that sideline, level one, level two. Let me see those two guys dump it off right by the sideline to the to the to the rules guy who's at that point. He really loves to throw the ball back to the middle of the field. Sometimes you even see him motion his own receivers back towards the middle of the field. He says, No, don't don't go to the sideline. Go over here. You got to think. I, I would love to see that X receiver have a even better, well, have a better uh, extended play connection with Lamar Jackson going from left to right. So I think that that really would make a lot of sense for the Ravens if if they could get a guy who could do that. We can we saw it a few times this last year, but we didn't see it enough. And and uh, you know another big body there, I think would give Lamar a lot of comfort. Oh yeah, yeah, especially. And they were the thing what really impressed me about Ter- Terrace Marshall. I almost said Terrence is Terrence. Terrence Marshall was the fact that he was able to put up the numbers that he did and have the impact that he had in the offense despite inconsistent quarterback play. They had, remember they had kind of had like a two quarterback system that, um, that at LSU. They had uh, what was the guy, uh, the Tampa Bay quarterback? His son was his son was one of the quarterbacks. Uh, not Brad Johnson, Gus Johnson, something like that. Whoever the whoever the, the quarterback was for the um, for the for the Buccaneers the year they won the Super Bowl in. in in 2000, 2002, his son was one of the quarterbacks at LSU. They were flipping between him and a five-star recruit they had from the state of Georgia or something like that. And despite all that, you know, Terrence is still putting up big numbers. And, you know, he was really keeping them in a lot of those games that they had. Long gone by 27, or do you think there's a chance he's there? No, I I, I, I mean, I would, I, I'm not going to put, you know, say I'm 100% confident that he's going to be there. But I, I'm, I'm about 90% confident he's going to be there. And um, like I said, Mel's, Mel's mocked him there three times in a row. I even, wrote, I even wrote an article about it. Like, oh, you know, this, you know, Mel's got, he got it right last year. But um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, man, what would be the, how crazy would it be if the Ravens were to draft, after not drafting a guy from LSU ever in, in team history prior to last year, Patrick Queen, 
two in a row, not just two in a row, but two first round picks in back to back years. How crazy would that be? And 27, 28, you know, it, that would be that would be pretty odd. OK, I think we're through four here, uh, unless you had a different number four guy you want to talk about. Um, don't, uh, that, you, just Marshall was going to be my was going to be my. Um, well, I, yeah, that's, it's like, so I had it. I had Smith, Chase, uh, Bateman, then um, then Waddle. Uh, but we already kind of glossed over him, and then I had Marshall as my fifth guy. Okay. Do Do you want to tell you want to say anything else about Waddle before we move on? Um, I definitely get, he's going to be a top fifteen pick. You know, he's a guy that you can he's a guy that you can use in a multitude of ways. You know, not just on you know he can run, he can operate inside outside as well, and also he can kind of be. I don't like using the word gadget play, but he can definitely a guy you can use on you know jet sweeps, get him involved out of the backfield. I think he'd be nasty in the screen game. Um, I think he'd be great in the offense, like you know what what, what the Cardinals do. Or I know he's not going to make it to, to thirty one, but he'd be he'd be terrific with what the Chiefs do as well. <laughs> don't even don't even suggest that that's where he might end up. Fifteen point one yards per target in an absurd career at Alabama with uh, nineteen hundred ninety nine yards. One of the things that really comes out and strikes me, he's got seventeen touchdowns in one hundred and thirty two college targets. I mean, that's like Randy Moss-esque production. Uh, the 1,999 yards, incredibly, is only 143 more yards than Devontae Smith had in one season. <laughs> so <laughs> just these Alabama guys and their production is just, just outrageous. Uh, Jalen Wilde didn't have a 40 time. Apparently didn't run the 40 uh, at his pro day. And I, I don't remember the nature of the injury. A fractured uh, ankle. Fractured ankle. So that's still hurting him at this point? Um, I, I, I think it's not like, you know, like I'm not going to keep him from playing, but I think that given the fact that, you know, he worked so hard just to rehab to play in the national championship game, and he knew he wasn't going to rub his optimal 40 time in just that short amount of training because, you know, Alabama had the two pro days. I think he, I think he knows that his play, kinda, his play in this tape speaks for itself, and there's no need for him to kind of like, you know, I guess, hamper his stock if he were to want like a, you know, for it's, it's crazy in 2021 or 2020 that running a running a a four a four four something is is bad. You know, or or not as good when they expect you to run a sub four sub four three or whatever a sub four four. Right. So I I I wonder how much a guy like that would truly hurt his stock if he ran four fifty three. And they said, well, you know, it's just an injury. Obviously, we've seen him on tape. He's a lot faster than that. Uh, they, I guess there would still be questions about recovery from the injury. So uh, I think he's a gamble for, for whoever takes him to, to some degree. But, uh, but we'll see. Um, you, you, number six guy, you're up on. Waddle was my number five guy. Okay, uh, my number six guy. Um, I was kind of torn between two guys, but I'll go with, I'll go with Kadarius Tony as my number six guy. Um, he's, he's a bit undersized at, uh, it's, it's weird. So on the NFL, on the NFL.com, they have, when they do their little height measurements, that sometimes they'll have things that are like five twelve, and I'm like five twelve. Like, is that, you mean six foot, <laughs> you know, but I, I think what they do is when a guy is not all the way six foot, they'll say five twelve and like five eleven and like three, you know, seven eighths or something like that. So right. yeah, I think he's like right under six feet. But my whole thing is like with this guy, size doesn't really matter because he's just a, all outright playmaker, you know. I love his change of direction and vision in an open field. I mean, the the dude is just a baller, and he like he can be a deep threat, intermediate threat. Um, I, I know some people want to label him as a gadget guy, and he was a utility player at Florida up until his senior season. But his senior season, the guy really balled out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he was the guy, that's for sure. Um, you know, one of the things you see is him run some rounded routes. Not the, not the cleanest route runner you'll ever see. Certainly has improvement. I don't look at that as a negative in the same way I think some other people do. I look at that as what's the guy, what is the player doing which makes him a marginal first round prospect that could still be an opportunity for improvement with good receiving coaching uh, that would take him to the next level. And, you know, the Ravens have invested heavily in getting receiving coaches that hopefully can improve what they do at this next level. I hope this is a place where, uh, you know, a, a, a player who is an imperfect gemstone, a little bit of a flawed gemstone, can come to the Ravens and we can actually hope for improvement that would make him a very valuable receiver. And Tony is a guy, I think, if the Ravens could find a way for him to drop, uh, you know, if they, if they get lucky and he drops, I think he's a, he's a, he'd be, they would, they would be well rewarded for, say, trading back into... 40 to 48 range maybe to pick him up yeah i'm a huge proponent of the of the ravens trading back this year just because i think i think you can find out you can get a lot of quality starters in the second and third rounds this year so if they could like parlay their first pick first round pick into like two seconds i'd be all for that because i feel like that'd be the sweet spot to pick up pick up a you know a dynamic receiver a dynamic edge rusher and you know even a, even a really good safety Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of choices on all three of those positions, that's for sure. Tony was my number seven guy. I do love him. I have Rondell Moore of Purdue at number six. Uh, I'm sure you have him pretty high on your list there somewhere. Now, the, the knock on him is all about height. He's 5'7", 180, 429, 40. Uh, he has an incredibly unimpressive 8.0 yards per target over the last two seasons. Uh, now, some of that is how the Purdue offense has to really run through him. But that's a that's a target to be that's a, a, a somewhat concerning number. Uh, what do you make of him as a prospect? Um, I had him I had described him as like a, a bulkier Tyreek Hill. just just because the way in which he can be used as, you know, pretty much all over the field as like, you know, a pseudo satellite back or a little scat back even. You know, as a receiver on little gadget, on little gadget plays. I mean, if people were calling Kadarius Tony gadget player, no, nah, Ronda Moore is more of a gadget <laughs> guy than I think Kadarius Tony ever will be at the next level. Just because you know he's 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 just so small, so compact, so small, so compact. He can do so many th- so much so many things in offense. My biggest red flag about him isn't isn't even his height; it's, it's the injuries. You know, the fact that a guy hasn't been on the field. You know, I feel like his true freshman tape is going to get him drafted. And no later than late day three, but um, he's, he's definitely a guy I'd be like, oh man, like you know, get me wrong, you're electric, you know, dynamic with the ball in your hands, an open field, but I just don't know if you can stay on the field for us. I know he, you know, when he had his pro day, he said that's behind him, but you can't really tell me it's behind you until you know we get you on the field and you can get to your rookie season without missing half of it and the majority of it. He's he's answered part of that question for me by just having still the outstanding metrics after the injuries. So still being able to run four twenty nine forty is important, and and that's that's the first step in that. But I agree. I mean, he was an unbelievable player as a freshman, one hundred and fourteen catches, and he has not produced at the same level since. Uh, it, it may be that he needs to be put outside. I don't see him as a guy the Ravens would draft anyway. I think you, you really yeah, can't afford to have two small guys uh, on on your team like that. But uh, but I still like him as a prospect, and and uh, you know I think he goes pretty high. And honestly, 
if some other team takes him before the Ravens pick, I'm probably going to like that fact. Me, me too. Um, guys like like him and and Tutu Atwell from from uh from Louisville. I I don't even like like it's a thanks but no thanks. Like yeah, you have an intriguing skill set, but Tutu a guy like Tutu Atwell. I mean he's he's lighter than Marquise Brown. You know this guy's like it's like five nine one fifty five, and he didn't even run at a great forty. Like I, I, I just, he plays faster than at forty time indicates. But it's like look, we don't we don't need a guy who's lighter than even Hollywood Brown. So thanks but no thanks. But a guy like Rondell Moore, like I said, um, his freshman tape was amazing, and I, I do think he's going to get drafted relatively high. I just don't think the Ravens are going to be the spot where he uh, ends up. All right, fair enough. Your number seven guy, I think, is your next one. Um, a guy, another guy I really like is uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, you know, he, he's, he's my he's my eighth guy. I'm sorry, uh, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yes. Okay. Uh, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. He's uh, that guy, kind of, another guy who's kind of labeled the slot guy, but he also has that inside outside uh, flexibility. He reminds me of a lot of you know like shades of like Antonio Brown, Stephon Diggs, a guy who came into the coming to a league kind of labeled as a slot guy, but then ends up you know dominating dominating inside outside because he has all those traits that you know you want a number one receiver to have. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone have that can separate you can tear up tear it up in the zone you know the Ravens face more zone than any other team in the league and they still cut it up and I feel like a guy like like a, like Elijah Moore could really take advantage of that yeah I mean I I think if you have the same questions about um I, I'm sorry Rondell Moore right you'd mm-hmm. have the same you'd have the same questions about Elijah Moore. Uh, they're both small, they're both very fast. Elijah Moore has shown a lot more as a receiver in his college career with 11.8 yards per target in the SEC last year. Uh, that's outstanding. Uh, I, you know, maybe with Elijah Moore you get an extra punt return duty out of him, maybe with either of them you do. Maybe they maybe I don't know what they exactly have in their background, but you know, it's you really are looking for that bonus so the Ravens don't have to sign a separate punt return guy and and that would make some sense. Um Elijah Moore's yards per target also held down in that Mississippi offense by a lot of catches behind the line of scrimmage. And so that 11.8 number is really even more impressive in terms of, of what it goes. He uh, uh, does. I, I think he's a risk at 27, but I think he's another guy that I like for the Ravens 40 to 55 range, probably in his case. Yeah, no, I know he's been mocked as like, you know, a late first rounder. I wouldn't take him at 27. If we could trade back and even get him at the bottom of the first or early in the second, I'd be cool with that. You know, or I think somewhere in the middle between there. I, I, I don't have a first-round grade on him per se. 
I just think he'd be a guy that really be good for Lamar. You know, he knows how to find those soft spots in the zone. Is we can be he can be really dynamic after the catch. And um, you know, he's a he's a double move extraordinaire. I don't know if you've seen much of his film, but that guy he's a when it comes to double moves, I don't think there's anybody there was anybody better in college football last year. Yeah, they, they, it's certainly it's a nice corroboration of what the metrics are and what the film is that he has those great agility stats. But you know, there's another thing that doesn't really show up in the agility stats and doesn't really show up in the speed stats, and that's leverage reading. Lamar Jackson's got it in spades. We've watched it in play for three years now. You know what to look for. The guys who are the really slippery guys know how to make that guy opposite miss them in open field play, and they also know how often how to make a corner make the first step so that they can make their cut off that rather than trying to, uh, uh, you know, continue on with one route decision of their own before the corner then makes his, how decides how he's going to cover that. It's, it's not very good at, at uh, articulating this, but, but I, I, the concept of reading leverage is just missed in the, in the measurement metrics. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that you really have to watch film to find out. And if you watch guys like, like I said, Elijah Moore, guys like Rashad Bateman, those guys really have a really have a, I already have a pro level understanding of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's you know, there's another another point I just want to make briefly about this is that you can't run just vertical routes. For example, at the pro level, cornerbacks will not give you the space to to they will not make it easy for you to do that. Whether they press you or they space you, either way, they will not make it easy for you. You have to have other routes which punish the opposing cornerback for making the wrong choice. And then if you if you can add steps to make the cornerback then guess which of your which of your multiple routes hopefully that you have that you're going to do the all the better for your ability to read that leverage and then make a double move. I just uh, he, for for those reasons I probably like him a little bit more. Again, I'd say at 59, I don't know if the Ravens can really afford to have another receiver that size. As much as I like him, I'm not sure they can afford to. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, it'd be definitely be like a value thing for me. You know, if he was there at the, you know, you know, BPA, you know, sometimes BPA, your best player available. You know, it, it may not necessarily be the guy who you're, you know, like like the kind of guy you're looking for. But if he, if they have a guy who's highly higher rated on their board, who's five nine over a guy who, you know, who's, who's you know six six three six four or whatever, I think they'll go with the five nine guy. Hmm. All right, so do we do we cover your number eight guy yet? Because Elijah Moore was my number eight guy. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown from USC. Um, another guy I really, 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 really like in this draft. Um, inside, outside versatility. You know, um, I, I I just feel like that's like whenever I'm looking at you guys that can fit the Ravens, I want that. I want that kind of guy. Can he work inside? Can he work outside? Because I feel like if you're a one trick pony in this offense, you're not going to see the field that often. Because you're going to need a guy that can, you know, not only run routes on the outside and on the inside, but a guy you know who's like a willing blocker. And that's how I'm on St. Brown. Uh, I don't, I, I don't want to dive too much into him, um, but um, he, you know, he comes from a history of a family of athletes. You know, his brother, oh, yeah. his brother Equinemius, uh, plays for the plays for the Packers. Hasn't really popped yet, but has been on the receiving end of some big plays. Aaron Rodgers, his father, I think his father's name was John, was a Mr. Universe like two or three mm-hmm. times, Mr. World. Just, and he's just John Brown. These other guys are St. Brown. Yeah, yeah, he's just John Brown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. So he, and he like all, all, like all, everybody in his family, all his brothers, and and they're all well educated. You know, they're real smart for high football IQ guys. So you give me a guy who, who can run inside, outside, uh, you know, routes. 
a run of a variation of routes. You know, he's not just like, you know, a, a vertical guy or just a slot guy. He can, he can do all the above. And he's, and if, I mean, I, he's, he's a nasty blocker in the run game, too. For a guy who's not like, you know, the biggest dude, he really knows how to, he really knows how to impose his, um, his, his, uh, his, his will and kind of set the tone as, as a blocker in the run game. So I've, um, he, he's a real strong dude, too. I think he put up like 20 something reps on the bench um, at, at his pro day. So he's like a strong dude, stout dude. Didn't run the best 40. I think he ran like a 4 5 1. My mm-hmm. thing is, like, how many, how many receivers do you know that run sub 4 3 that really, you know, the, the, some of the best receivers in the league, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, those guys were like 4 5 1, 4 5, you know, whatever guys. I think Keenan Allen ran like a 4 7 1. So, how important is a 40 yard dash? If, if a guy can get open, if a guy can catch, you know, that, those are really the two most you know, important tangibles to me. Right. I mean, you can make up for speed with reading leverage. That's what it really amounts to is you could, if you can, if you can make the other guy be wrong with your own movements, your own shiftiness, then, then you have some ability to do that. I, I liked him. I, I considered putting him in, but I think he's going to drop a little bit in this draft. Might be that excellent value pick for the Ravens if he drops into that middle round area. I, I'm thinking he might end up in the fourth round. I think there will be some concerns about his speed. Uh, I, if you disagree, that's that's fine. I uh, think he still probably ends up in the slot in the NFL. Yeah, I think he'd be definitely an ideal slot receiver. Um, but I, I, like when I say inside outside, you know, versatility doesn't mean he's he's going to primarily play on the inside or primarily play on the outside. It's just a guy that can do both and brings more than more to the table. Um, I, I, I think he could. I, I think he could go as high as the second round because we've seen in, in, in wow. years past. I think he, we've seen in years past uh, guys, you know, who you know didn't run the fastest forties or whatever, but you know, the can guys that can get open. Guys like AJ Brown and Devontae Adams, those kind of guys that went in the second round. Mike, Michael Thomas, you know, those kind of guys that went in the second round, didn't run the fastest forties, but can really just, like I said, just make some things happen in, in the open field. Well, it's, it's a, I apologize for my dog barking in the background. There's been an owl in our neighborhood the last few days. It, it, dogs are keeping us up every night. It's just, it's, it's a, a very difficult thing to, to focus through. Um, I, I don't have the, the same second round grade on, on St. Brown, but that's fine. I would, I would be happy if the Ravens got him a later round. If the Ravens got him in the third round and, and Eric DaCosta thinks he's a great value there, that's, that's good with me. Uh, you're number nine guy because I had Elijah Moore at eight. Okay, my number uh, nine guy is a uh, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. He's a he's a guy I, re- I really like. You know, big body guy, perimeter dude. He'd be an ideal X receiver. Um, great body control and, and and ball tracking down the field. Um, he doesn't he doesn't have like elite speed. He can definitely gain a step on guys and just you know kind of go. He got, he's a guy. He really like snatches the ball out of the air when it's up there. If it's in there in his general vicinity, he's coming down with it. So that's a guy who I really think. That um could come into into the Ravens and play a be a great X, right? At, at his speed, I would worry that he's going to have a fairly high contested catch rate. He'd probably be pretty good at that. But NFL corners are unforgiving in terms of contested catches. And having Marlon Humphrey here, we we kind of know what happens in the NFL in terms of baseball bats start hitting you in the arms. Even Anquan Bolden in in today's NFL, I think would have a really hard time. Uh, putting up anywhere near the contested catch rate he did as a player. We think of him, of course, as being you know one of the greats in that category. Yeah, I think what's great about Thailand is that not only when you go through for the ball, because like a lot of times we'll see when, when like Marlon, he'll wait for the guy to kind of like high point it, and then he'll just like bat it out right before he, you know, he's able to pull it in. Well, I think what, what's cool that Thailand does a lot of times, not only will he 
you know, reach out and high point the ball, but he'll either shield it away from the defender by keeping it away from his body or immediately snatch it back, snatch it down in his body so that they can't, you know, jar it out. And, you know, you're not, you don't have to, you're not going to be, they'll see Marlon Humphrey every day in practice, you know, if he were to come to the Ravens, but you're not going to see Marlon Humphrey every Sunday. So I think a guy like that would be um, well-suited in the Ravens offense. Sorry about that. I had my mic muted for the dogs again. Um, a lot of people undervalue that skill in terms of catching the ball away from your body. It actually it doesn't make the catch less secure. It makes it, it makes it easier for you to control the football by doing those things you just mentioned. By whether whether it's uh, adjusting that ball to your body in a way where you can you can use it to shield it better, or just adjusting it away from where the hand of that cornerback is just slightly improves your chance of making that contested catch. But when you're in the body. You, you've got that additional risk of, of uh, uh, don't know how to describe it other than the racquetballs right against the wall when you're making the shot. All right. My number nine guy, uh, you, you, that, he was your number nine guy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Deami Moore of North Carolina. Deami Brown? Uh, sorry, no, Deami Moore of North Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry, Deami Brown of North Carolina. Yes, of course. <laughs> How many mores in a row do we have here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could do that. Um, uh, 6'1", 189, a 4.45.40, so not a complete burner. Uh, he, you know, he had 12.8 yards per target the last two years with 20 TDs. Production is not the issue at all. He probably does need more moves in order to do exactly what we talked about with, with other players like Bateman, who really do have that ability to come back for the ball or go deep. Uh, and show you two moves that make the cornerback guess. But the fact that he has that is a good thing. You watch Deami Moore on tape. I'm in- impressed with his size relative to other cornerbacks he played against. But then I realized he's still only 6'1". He's still only 189. He's not even Sammy Watkins' size <laughs> at the NFL level. Yeah, he actually plays a lot bigger than his size. It's funny that you, that you mentioned him because I, I, I just got done uh, watching a whole lot of film on him today preparation for this and that, that's a guy who like he's like you you think he's like six five six four the way he plays mm-hmm. especially the way he goes up and attacks the ball and, and and really tracks it in the air but he's like he's only like six one i'm just like man this guy he, like watch out he can be a second round sleeper that people are not looking at right now I'm not really talking about as much but don't be surprised if he goes somewhere in the mid in, in the mid uh mid to early second round or even if he slips to the third round bottom of the third or something like that that'd be great too He's definitely a day two pick, um, but I, I definitely think he's a guy that can come in and then make some real impact plays. Is he a guy you'd be comfortable? The Ravens drafted fifty eight for the second time, right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Is he a guy you'd be you'd be cool with the Ravens getting at fifty eight? I'd be cool with him at fifty eight. Um, a couple couple things about him: he does have some he does have some some I wouldn't call them concentration drops, but like you know he he lets some catchable balls hit the turf every now and then, where you just like that should be a routine catch. I'm not calling him Rashad Perriman, you know, right? <laughs> you know, I'm not not going that far. But you know, it's just um, you know, for you like to see him make the, the make the routine catches look routine. And um there he had some concern. And then also he doesn't have a you know variety of routes that he'd run, and that was more of a factor of the offense they ran mm-hmm. down North Carolina than it was that, you know, he can't do it. You know, it's mostly, you know, like I said, running running uh you know, a lot running, of verticals. Yeah, a lot of vertical routes or the you know, skinny posts, nine routes, stuff like that. I definitely think that um, he has. So the thing, the thing I like about about the Army Brown is, you know, because he's such a dangerous deep threat. That you know, in college he won't see this as much in the NFL, but in college 
people were so scared of him, of him get beating them deep. They would give him sometimes an eight, 10 yard cushion. And, you know, he threatened, he threatened deep and then throttled down and make himself available right at the intermediate level, whether it's on in, in breaking route or just, you know, going out or just on a little curl or a dig. So I think, I think that kind of stuff is like, you know, the kind of veteran savvy that you see in a lot of pro receivers who you know, have a lot of speed and threaten deep. I, I want to see that more from him. I want to see more of a clear ability to make the cornerback guess around, uh, wrong on exactly those routes. I hitch and dig. And I, 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 he did not run away from the secondary when I watched him on some of the vertical routes. And he had a lot of touchdowns. So 20 touchdowns the last two years. It's not like that's a, that's a shortage at all by any means. The 12.8 yards per target basically puts aside any concerns I have about drops as him as a receiver as well. It's all about can he adjust to that NFL game and come back for the football and, and, and punish cornerbacks with that move to make him still a useful deep threat and have that vertical explosiveness still be a factor in the NFL where his speed is going to be you know, less relatively good. Yeah, and, um, I definitely like his ability to track the ball in the air too. Um, and then his catch radius too. He kind of has like, Almost like he has like go-go gadget arm sometimes where he's kind of snatches <laughs> kind of snatches the ball out of the air. I'm like, oh man, like, oh this guy, like you know, to me he's he's like a big play waiting to happen. You know, he doesn't have he's not a true burner. You think, oh man, this guy averages over 20 yards a catch. You know, he must be a burner. Not necessarily. He's more of a guy that gets he's more of a guy that kind of like hauls in those. Te- he'll get a step or two. Yeah, but he's not like like you said. He's not going to like you know completely leave guys in the dust every play unless he gets the guy at the bottom of the double move, which he can do. You know, he has shown ability on on occasion. Has a nice little hesitation at the line of scrimmage or in his route with a little head fake, and then you know look, fake a little out and up sluggo, and then he's you see he's wide open. Like oh man, how did he get it wide open? It's it's those subtle things that he does at the top of his route sometimes, or even you know like when he's making a faking the break inside to kind of get the like you said get the defensive back to bite. Think like he's going inside, but then he keeps going out. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going up. All right, he was my number nine guy. Who's your number ten guy? My number ten guy. Um, he was my number ten guy. But like, you know, another guy, I um, I don't, I wouldn't mind mentioning as a, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, somebody would be it'd be pretty cool if he ended up landing with the Ravens because his dad works for the team. But uh, a guy like Amari Rogers from Clemson is a guy I really like. He is a separation machine. Um, he he really showed out at, at the Senior Bowl um, back back in um, back in January. He was putting down a separation clinic. He was just breaking routes off left and right, getting wide open in the back of the end zone and in 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 the front of the end zone, all over the field. He's a guy that I that I really like. You know, it's it's really interesting you say that because it may be that he's improved his game. I didn't watch the Senior Bowl tape of Rodgers. What I did watch is a lot of a fair amount of his regular season tape. It looked to me like he had a lot of trouble reading the leverage of the slot corner. Like he was not as effective making a whip route work. Um, and I thought, you know, that's perhaps a correctable thing at the NFL level. And, and I'm not saying you're wrong. He may, he may actually have worked on it before he got to the senior bowl. And that was a big thing. Or it may be that a, what I saw was an aberration, but uh, very, he was not, he was very effective after the catch. Sorry. Uh, at 8.0 yak per reception. And that includes him being thrown a lot of screen passes, upwards of 30 screens uh, that he caught this last year, still had 10.4 yards per target over the last two years. It's the Clemson offense. It's Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of positives of playing with him, obviously, but I still think that's a, that's an impressive uh, guy built very well in terms of that kind of nice running back build for after the catch play. 
Yeah, he actually looks a little like when, when you when you saw him at his pro day, and then you look back and watch his film, like he looks kind of bigger with his pads off than with his pads on. Yeah, I mean, with this yeah. with his pads off, I, I, I kid you not, the guy looks looks as stocky as Ray Rice. So I'm like, is that a running back or receiver out there running a 40 yard dash? But with with his pads on, I guess it kind of helps compress all that muscle mass a little bit. But he's definitely a guy that um I even saw him taking some um taking some uh some snaps at, at at running back at his pro day. You know, he's a he's definitely a guy that you can use in a multitude of ways. Not just as a receiver, that you can use on on sweeps, even out of the backfield a little bit. And he's, uh, he's really kind of versatile, not just receiver but offensive weapon that you can use that you know as a slot receiver. I wouldn't I wouldn't really put him on the outside a lot, but you know he's proven he could do it in college. And um, like a guy that you can, like I said, use uses like a you know ga- kind of a gadget guy. You know, if he's if he's there on like the third or fourth round, you know, I'd, I'd be like, hey, look, your dad, you know, your dad T Martin's on T Martin's already on 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 the team as a coach. You know, I think that'd be kind of a cool thing, uh, father and son. Is is he the guy the Ravens should have on their roster? You mentioned gadget guy, and I'm immediately thinking, well, they have Devin Duvernay. Do they really want to take snaps away from him another year? They have Marquise Brown, who runs, frankly, a lot of the jet sweep action that the Ravens do anyway. Uh, jet toss, sorry. I mean, he wouldn't be a guy that I, I'd prioritize if he's, like, the best player available and say, you know, they have no more picks, and, you know, not no more picks, but, like, let's say a guy who, who would have been a better fit for what they're looking for in the fourth or third round, and, like, oh, damn, we just got to take right, right before we were, we're on the clock. Like, hey, this guy doesn't separate. This guy knows how to get open. You know, this guy showed out against against you know what's going to be NFL competition, the Senior Bowl, and the Ravens love the Senior Bowl. Like like every year, they take a, take at least one, even maybe two guys from the Senior Bowl. And he was one of the guys that really stood out all week in practice and in the game. Yeah, they really encourage anybody they're talking to to go to the Senior Bowl if they have any questions about their senior year. And I, you know, a lot of prospects, some really want to go, and it's become more and more of the norm that the best players will go there. But I, I remember hearing it for, I think it was Osemele, but it might have been Orr. It was one of those two. They said, you really need to go to the Senior Bowl because – your senior year wasn't good enough, and that that was part of why the Ravens ended up drafting him after that prospect. But you're right; I mean, they they certainly have a, a love for that process. And uh, Phil Savage, for many years, was the guy there, and and uh, you know, is of Ravens origins. That might add something to do with it. I have one guy left on my list. I'm going to go to Nico Collins of Michigan. The reason I think the Ravens probably won't get him is that he's too much of a similarity score replacement for Miles Boykin. Yes. So 6'4", <laughs> 215, 445, 40, huge catch radius, 34 and a quarter, sorry, 34 and an eighth inch arms. Uh, there are real questions about whether that speed will translate to the NFL game. And is it all that aircraft carrier or needs a long runway to get going? Or is some of it sudden that he can read leverage, sit in the chair, break out of his route, Present himself to Lamar. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Nico Collins fan. Not gonna lie to you. I'm excited. I think the guy. I think the guy is definitely gonna have success in the in the NFL. Like you said, I just think like like if we can't, if we weren't, if we're not able to get it done with Miles Boykin, why would we get it done? Try to draft another Miles Boykin. You know, uh, <laughs> like, like you when you look at their tape. You know, like the last last we saw with Nico Collins, I think he opted out last year. And, and then if you look back at Miles Boykin's last year coming out of Notre Dame. It's almost like you're looking at the same dude a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh man, like look, we already got, we already got a, you know, big bodied, a big bodied guy who we, who's supposed to be good at contested catches, but doesn't really 
making contested catches. And and a guy like like Nico Collins, I know you get the hard ball to hard ball connection, you know, Michigan and all that. But I just think if this if there's any guy that the Ravens are gonna draft from Michigan this year, black could be the, t- the tackle Jalen Mayfield and not Nico Collins. So and he also likes lateral agility too. He's not a he's not a very fluid guy. He's a big play threat, big play vertical threat, and, you know, can go up and hit a big catch radius, catch over guys. But it's just not a whole lot to his game that I think is kind of redundant to what Miles Morgan already brings to the table. Right. I, I, I agree on that. You'd be resetting the clock on a Miles Boykin like player. So there'd, there'd be that, I suppose, after two years of Miles. But Boykin is such a good blocker that I'm, I'm not really all that keen on having him lose tons of snaps. I'm not, forget the Miles Boykin to tight end crap because that's never going to happen. I, re- I just I, I want to make the most use of Miles Boykin that the Ravens can in these next two years that they have him. And they're going to lose him after that. And he's still a potentially a hell of a receiver. And in if you incorporate all of his value, he's kind of like the Bobby Gritch of receivers and that he brings you a lot of value that's hidden in the walks and his statistics aren't aren't impressive. But but, you know, Miles Boykins blocks like a mofo out there. He, he, he rides his guy forever. And I just love seeing that in a receiver. And uh, I know there's a lot of guys that are just tired of me saying that, but it's very valuable to the Ravens offense. It's invaluable. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing you can't just find everywhere. There's not a lot of the receivers are one, a willing to block and then be proficient at it. And he's a guy that's, that's, that's both. And, and so I think the biggest thing for miles, I think he needs to do what, you know, we saw Hollywood Brown doing like, you know, like you need to be with Lamar the entire offseason to to build that trust and rapport. Like, it's great. You got a jugs machine. Cool. It's great that, you know, you're working out on your own. But you need to be with your quarterback this offseason. You need to be in his ear and on his hip. And you all need to be training every time he's down in Florida. You need to be down in Florida, you know, because like to me, Miles Boykin was open so many times last year. Like, oh, man, why is Lamar throwing the ball? He doesn't trust him like that. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier in the season, you know, they he even, you know, he even came out and said it. The coaches came out and said it. You know, Miles just needs to do better. You know, sometimes he's out there, doesn't even know the play or whatever. And so I feel like if you get that trust factor down with those with the, with, with with Lamar, I think we'll see a lot better Miles Boykin in 2021 and, and, and beyond. Yeah, it was kind of a setback in the playoff game at Tennessee, the interception, because it was an issue of not tracking the ball early enough. And I'm not saying the ball should have been completed, but it should have been a knockdown interception. That, that should have been no interception there on that throw to Boykin. So anyway, uh, been great doing this with you. Let's, let's, maybe you have another list of other guys you think the Ravens could go after in the late rounds that you like, but you certainly wouldn't take in the first on day one or day two. Who are your day three guys that, that, that might fall to the Ravens that you think they might like? Okay, day three guys, like I, I, got, a nice little, I got a nice little list right here. Um, but I'm going to do some little quick hitters. Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. He's a guy that I really like, 6'2", six, six, two, two, 208 pounds. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a really, really good outside outside guy. He went down to he's another senior bowl guy. He was actually the most impressive uh, receiver at the senior bowl game. Had like six catches for 90 yards. Um, his bill has showed a nice ability to separate top of his routes, you know, inside out, you know, uh, on in-breaking and out-breaking routes. And he had his real nice, I think his first catch of the game was like this nice out-breaking route where he kind of caught it and sort to, of a little toe drag swag. So. He's a guy I really like. A guy like Josh Palmer um, from from Tennessee didn't have big production at, at, for the Bulls, but that was more an indication on quarterback play than it was on him. He led the SEC in, in um, yards per catch in the I think his sophomore year in 2018, I believe it was 21 yards per 20 yards per catch. Uh, another guy I like is Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, 
Jonathan L. Adams Jr. from uh, from Arkansas State. That's another guy, really like 6'3", 220, big-bodied guy, and making a lot of good contested catches. Um, then uh, the last guy I want to mention here is uh, Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, uh, mm-hmm. 20, 2020 opt-out. But he's a guy that um, would be a, be a, a, a nice uh, nice possession receiver. And even like a, a big slot guy, a guy that's really good at understanding leverage and can really kind of box out those guys. He's, he was a high school basketball star, and, and it really shows up when he, you know, when he, his understanding of leverage and how to, how to kind of box out guys, especially down at the goal line and in the red zone. You're talking Surratt, right? Yeah. With that? Okay, yeah. I, I, while I don't hate the guy, he's got modest tight end speed at 470. And he's not a guy that I think you could you can... I don't think his skills are going to translate that way to the NFL level. I know a lot of people have him higher than me. It's just not me. Most of his production was on his A dot, meaning he was going up, he was making a contested catch, and he didn't have a lot of yak. 4.7 yards per reception for a big physical receiver like that, 4.7 yak per reception, really isn't very good. So I'm, you know, I'm, his testing was kind of met across the board. I'm just, I'm not, I, I, he's not some guy who really excited me. And I know a lot of other people really like him. I respect that, but, uh, but I'm, I'd pass on him, even though the, the size is very intriguing. Yeah. I mean, it's not somebody I spent a fourth round pick on or, you know, but if he's, if he's there like the fifth or sixth, seventh round, mm-hmm. I think he'd be worth a date through flyer. Um, you know, like depending on how the Ravens addressed the, the, the position previously. Um, and then one more guy I, I did like was, uh, was a uh, Cornell Powell from Clemson. Um, he's kind of stuck in a log jam behind guys like Amar, like Amari Rogers, Mike Williams, and some of the other guys that come out of Clemson in recent years. Didn't really pop until uh, his senior year. We had like over 800 yards receiving, but he's a guy that you know like to the nice outside receiver. Um, was willing and sometimes even proficient blocker in the run game, and also he brings special teams upside too. He's a great gunner for for the Tigers. So I think a guy. I mean, that's like your prototypical what stays the receiver, right? A guy with special teams upside. And, you know, can also bring something at the third or fourth receiver in a passing game. So, Yeah, unless you're the Ravens, and then you draft a 6'6 receiver who can't possibly play special teams or won't do it well anyway. That's not fair. Jaleel Scott did some good things. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? Tommy Streeter is a guy who, who really never became a particularly useful special teams guy. But I agree. There are things I liked about him. Um, you know, very soft hands in his cases. Didn't have a lot of college drops. Uh, to me, he he, his age is a big red flag. So I didn't like that. But the eleven point three yards per target is a very positive thing. Obviously, playing at Clemson helped him. So, uh, you know, I, I, I throwing those factors all together, he's he's a round five, round six guy. If DeCosta mm-hmm. decides he likes him in round six, I'm all over it. I, I'm I'm happy with the pick. Yeah. All right. Always fun talking football with you, Josh. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Tell folks where you can find your work. Uh, find me on BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Um, yeah, we, we got a lot of great draft content right now. We have the draft nearing. We're really um, plugging away at that. And um, uh, the Twitter, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Reed 907 all right, outstanding. Folks, we've got draft content all week here. You probably have, have seen most of the things, but it's a it's a every day we've got a new position group. We'll do eight position groups this year. There'll be no inside linebacker and and no quarterback because those really are not positional needs for the Ravens, but we're otherwise trying to trying to cover this with a very Ravens-centric focus, as you just heard from Josh and me tonight. But Josh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thank you.
When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.